Hi, I'm Wendy Brownfine. Um, I'm a co-founder of Curiowanis and serve as Chief Brand Officer and Director of Public Policy. Excited to be here. Hi, I'm Rebecca Rayfield, Chief Revenue Officer for Curio Wellness. Thanks for having us. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Proud to Work in Cannabis podcast. I am so excited for this episode. I'm actually I'm actually way more excited for this episode now that I'm on this episode and I've had 10 minutes to catch up with Wendy and Rebecca, who are with Curio Wellness. They're sisters, which I did, which I, it's, it's terrible of me to not know that before we got onto this call, but sisters, how are we today? What is going on in the world of Maryland? We're great. We are, we're really excited because we are three days away from the start of the adult use program in Maryland. It starts on Saturday, July 1st. So we are excited, nervous, I like just kind of jumping out of our skin. This was a perfect time. We timed this around the launch and we definitely need to do a follow-up after the launch. And so I have a big docket of things that I want to talk about today, including the launch on Saturday. But to start out with, I would love to hear from each of you a little bit about your background. What were you doing before you decided to get into cannabis? And then we'll get into how you decided to go into cannabis. But Wendy, why don't, why don't we start with you? What were you doing before you moved into the crazy world of cannabis? Um, so I worked in television. Um, that was my focus in college. I was, uh, was called... Um, radio, TV, and film, and it turned into electronic media as a major. Um, and then I worked in television from graduation on. So I, I worked in local news. Um, I moved out to California and I worked on productions. I actually worked as a production se- assistant on the first season of American Idol. Um, Who won? Was that Carrie Underwood? Kelly, no, Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson. Um, <laughs> and then um, I left LA after about three years and moved to New York. That's when I started to work on the network side of TV and shifted from original um, like TV show production to uh, the marketing side of networks. And then the last, my last uh, job in television before I left New York was with Kelly and Michael. And Rebecca, what about you? So I was in fine art sales. I studied um, fine art, contemporary modern art in college, and I was a director at an art gallery and then uh, moved to Los Angeles to be uh, a leadership team for the Museum of Contemporary Art. And then most recently, prior to Curio, I worked for a fabulous website called artsy.net, where I helped to build their collector relations team and their auction online auction platform. So could not be farther from cannabis, uh, but the kind of foundation of sales and customer relations are ring true in the cannabis space. So both have very unique and different backgrounds. So at what moment did you say, okay, we're thinking about going into the cannabis industry and, and what even like made that cross your mind? Well, you have the perfect pair for this actually. So um, we were going to... Colorado, the Memorial Day weekend of 2014, um, for a little family getaway with some family friends. And I was actually graduating from my master's program just ahead of the trip. 
My parents flew out to Colorado. Rebecca came to the graduation in New York. And then we literally left and got on the plane and flew to Colorado. And that happened to coincide with when adult use had started in Colorado. So then we sort of like were checking stuff out and there at simultaneously there had been this concept brewing in Maryland relative to um, medical. And so off of that weekend, we, um, there was the NCIA's conference was the next month. And so it was decided that I was gonna go back and go to the conference and like do kind of some due diligence, digging and learning. And then I came back from that. We literally sat at the kitchen table that's behind me right now. And I gave the download for my little notebook and then it just kind of went on from there. But I think it's also just to add color to this story. At that time in our lives, our dad who was in, he started retail pharmacies with um, my mom and uh, other family members when we were growing up. And then he was in institutional pharmacies. So like the pharmacies that service nursing homes he had like semi-retired around this time. And there was a like six month period where he was trying it out. And we all were like, you are terrible at this. We need you to find a job. Um, and when we went on that trip to Colorado, every time we would go into a dispensary, you're in like Boulder and Denver. So more like homeopathic alternative um, communities. He'd walk into the, the pharmacy because that was like his world. And would comment about like, I don't understand this. Like, why, why is there like a wall behind between the dispensary and then this pharmacy that also sells like CBD products or like ashwagandha or uh, supplements that would seem normal to you and I, but like for him, we're like this, like, what is this magical world of supplements? Um, so it became this springboard for when Wendy started to get interested in this, he kind of naturally had already planted this seed of cannabis as medicine because of that original Colorado trip. So she just took advantage of his natural interests. <laughs> and so like, okay, so you're like, you're all sitting there, the family's sitting there around the table and you decide you're gonna go for this. Who decides who's gonna do what role is what I wanna know. Like you decided your dad's gonna be the CEO. Like how, does, how did people decide within the family who's gonna do what job? It's only Wendy and Michael to start. So she'll explain the, the beginning. And Michael's your dad, right? Yes. Just so the audience has a picture. Michael's, the, and now Michael's the CEO. Correct. So, well, so it's kind of like, a, it was a little bit of a different group back then. So as we waited for Marilyn to figure out kind of the timing of an application coming out and all of that stuff, we had um, kind of what I call the nights and weekends team. So we had a former colleague who was hired as like literally our project manager and was the primary person kind of really focused on it while the rest of us had day jobs. And then our um, current chief information and strategy officer was another person who was part of the nights and weekends team, um, myself, uh, Michael, and then a, a former colleague of Michael's who helped with like the business plan development. Our brother as well, who was in real estate at the time um, and is a lawyer, um, also helped out with some things. So this was all kind of business plan development. There weren't really kind of actual roles. We were all working together to get do our due diligence and build our plan relative to the application that was forthcoming and then preparing the application to submit. Once um, we identified our roles in the application process, and then once we um, were successful in that, that's when we officially got off the ground. Rebecca joined us about a year and a half, is that right, into it? June of 2018. 
Yeah. And then uh, my brother, our brother David joined us uh, a year and a half ago. Wow. So you go out, you apply for the license, you win the license. Talk to us about what it was like launching medical. What was that process like? So Maryland's program overall had been very stalled in terms of what people thought of the application window. So when the program came online, there were already 20,000 patients who were signed up. So they were they were very hungry for like things to get going and the dispensaries to be open. So from the time that we were given pre-approval on the cultivation and processing, the pre-approval for the dispensaries came six months later. And so within, I think it was like four months of our full award, we did our first harvest um, and we're the first to provide dispensaries with product December 1st of 2017. And and I'm it's funny because as we are approaching Saturday, I just keep picturing that Saturday because um, it was December 1st then. Um, and I just want, I'm like thinking about how it will be the same and how it could be so different, right? Because it seemed like so many people then because you know, we were all new and you're like, wow, this many people showed up. But the fact that anyone 21 or older could show up, I just think it's going to be, you know, a hundredfold of what that experience was. But I would imagine that you're going to have that same energy and joy. Like I remember like people clapping in lines. Like if somebody went into the dispensary and got a sale and walked out with a bag, the other people waiting were like clapping and cheering. So I kind of feel like those things, and I, I guess I hope those things are going to happen again. So Rebecca, you're watching this go down December 2017. I'm assuming that even though you weren't in the business yet, you were tracking what was going on. They, they, were, talk, they were talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> they were talking to you. <laughs> Um, at what point were you like, okay, I'm, I'm in? So I went on maternity leave with my third child in December of 2017. And by that point, I was like a pro at maternity leave. And I had all this time during the day. So Wendy was a one-man band for marketing, social media. Like We didn't know how to do in-store assets for a dispensary, for example. So I am a creative person by trade because of my art background. So I would just fill my time with making social media graphics for her, like flyers, designing postcards. Um, and I was doing that essentially through March of 2018. And when I went back to work, I would be at work at my normal job by day and then do things for Curio from like 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. And for about a month, I kept this up when I finally then called her and my dad and said, like, I love working with the two of you. This is so much fun. But I have three kids under the age of three. I can't stay up all night. Like, if and when there's a real job, give me a call. I'll be happy to apply. So in June of 2018, the state at that point was doing kind of rolling admission for dispensaries. So overnight, we were going to go from 30 customers to about 65 customers. And Michael called me. I was on vacation with my husband in um, Charleston, South Carolina. And I remember being in the hotel room getting this call that was like, do you want to come work for us? And I will give you 90 days to see if you can run the sales department. And I turned to Brad and I looked at him and I was like, oh my God, I got the call. What am I going to do? And he was like, you got to go do it. And he's like, but you know, what's the job? What's the, what's the pay? What's the this? And I said, I have no idea what it pays. I'm going to work seven days a week, but I get to work with my dad and my sister. So I'm saying yes. Um, 
So I said yes. And it was, or it has been the greatest decision because now David, our brother works with us as well. Um, We do work seven days a week, but I would share with you, I was always very close with my sister and my brother, but growing up, our dad worked seven days a week, whatever he was doing. And we didn't see him that much. Like dad was always working. And so it's been so rewarding to be able to be a part of his seven day work week because he is a very different person at Curio than he is at like the kitchen table on a weeknight dinner. Um, And so I almost say like kind of getting to learn and getting to meet Michael Bronfein has been very different than getting to know dad. And that's been, I think, the most kind of special part of this whole experience. It's so funny because I haven't met two people that are have a similar story to us. So I started this business and my sister, who's six years younger than I am, was went to see you Boulder. And so she started same thing, like nights and weekends. She was very similar to you, Rebecca, of like super creative, super good at brand, super good at marketing. And so she was helping me with so much marketing stuff, just like on nights and weekends when she was at CU. And then she interned for us for two years and then was like, I want to come and I want to start an entry level sales and like work my way up. And it's been incredible. And then my dad, who was also an entrepreneur, but sounds kind of similar to your dad. Same thing, like semi-retired. Just this last year, I was like, hey, dad, we need some help with some operational stuff. Can you come in and help us? And so now it's been like the the three of us, and it's been like the best thing ever. And I think that it's just, for some families it works, and some families it doesn't. And um, I just feel so lucky every day to get to do it, which it sounds like you guys are in the same boat. Yeah, I think it helps that we all really liked each other from the start, like there was no like succession family dynamics that we had to deal with. Uh, Couldn't be farther. Right. And so that's really great. But I do think it's, it's interesting because people always ask us like, what is it like to work with your family? And we are professional curio wellness in the zone, you know, 8am to 7pm. And like in a boardroom meeting, we can get hot and heated, like we can have tough conversations. And our colleagues can have these looks on their faces like, oh my God, are they going to talk to each other later? And then at 7.01, Wendy will call me and I'll be like, what are you making for dinner? Like, have you packed the kids' backpacks yet? Like we turn it on and off very easily. And I don't know if that's normal, but that frankly is like all we know and how we've always done it. So we're very fortunate in that, you know, working together has not stifled or jeopardized our like familial relationship at all. Yeah, and I would say that... um... There's also like, there's the unspoken language. I don't know if it's like just because we share DNA or just, you know, that it's with the nature or the nurture. But, um, you know, like even last night we were talking about something totally random and I was trying to name an actor for my sister and I gave the most random of facts as I pictured this person in my head that I couldn't think of their name. And, and then she said, oh, the person from this? And I was like, yes! And my husband looked at us like, how could you have possibly figured that out? <laughs> and, <laughs> and we're not twins. <laughs> And you're not twins. So, Wendy, how I know, Rebecca, you said that you have three kids. Wendy, how many kids do you have? I have two. I have a three and a half year old and an eight week old. And so, you have the eight week old, and we're getting ready for the launch on Saturday. I, I've, how has it been being um, moms and running a super early 
stage company that requires you working seven days a week. I'm like, I, I don't, I'm getting married in August. I don't have kids yet. But I always like ask other entrepreneurs what, what it's like because, you know, I kind of see that in, in, in the future. We have fabulous husbands. Um, <laughs> that is true. There, you know, we have really, we have really hands-on partners. Um, we have childcare. Like I'm a firm believer in daycare because it's reliable. Um, and it also has been a fabulous place for my children. Um, but we grew up with a fabulous mother who took care of everything at home and a dad who worked 24 seven. And so I don't really have a lot of anxiety or fear about me putting in a ton of work or a ton of time at work and my children seeing that because I had a role model who put a ton of time in at work and I like to believe I'm, I turned out okay. So I think that I, it, to some extent, I might not have enough guilt as a working parent um, because I will tuck them in at night and then I will sit in their room with my laptop or I will be driving to work or excuse me, I will be driving them to school and have to be on a work call and just, you know, wave my hand to the back of the car to be like, be quiet. But it's the only world they know. And I think it's great that they see, you know, Aunt Wendy, Uncle David and Zadie all work together um, because they just see how much time we spend together. So I think it's a, it creates a fabulous like model for them to see. I don't know, Wen, what do you think? Well, uh, yeah, I think that the, the, the work ethic example is definitely um, amazing, at least the way I see it. But I do think we probably have a couple good stories just to share in terms of you know, the funny things that happen, because before we got on, I was saying like, you know, we're, we're of the dare generation, right? And so one of the things we got into this, I always thought about, I didn't have kids. And I just thought, well, this is going to be so strange when you, all your life, you were told no, no, no to pot. And now it's like this very normal thing. Um, and it's just an option that's out there for people from a medicinal standpoint. And now it will be available from a recreational standpoint. And it just requires the same kind of um, safe use and moderation of anything else. And so from, um, Rebecca, I think you should tell the story about the flowers selling the flat, the, the phone call of Izzy and the flowers. Oh, so during COVID when we were an essential business and I had three kids at home, um, I did two things. The first is not what Wendy's referring to, but my child was in kindergarten and she was learning how to read. And so we would, we send out an order sheet every week and I was a one man band at the time. And so I would get the order sheets back. I would put them into our um, ERP system to place the sales orders. And I would bring, her name's Isabel. I would bring Izzy into my office and have her sit next to me and read off the flower strain names and like the number of cases that the customer wanted. So I basically had her dictating all of the orders. So she learned to read by saying things like OG Kush Breath and Blissful Wizard and, you know, a, a host of other things that a normal five-year-old would not have learned how to read. Um, but the other thing that happens is that I then would see her like sitting with a fake computer or like a fake cell phone. And when I would kind of spy on her, I would hear her say things like, hi, what are you doing today? Okay, how can I help you with the flower? Yes, we have that kind of flower in stock. And, and yeah, we have that. And I can send you those flowers. And like, she didn't have all the language, but she would just pretend to be a little version of me. And there's really nothing cuter than a five-year-old 
selling cannabis. Um, Who doesn't even know they're doing this? <laughs> well, and they and they always ask, like, can you come to take your parent to work day, or like, can I go to take your parent to work day, or can you be the like talk the speaker at elementary school? And I will always say, well, I don't know if it's appropriate for me to go to school. And my kids are old enough that they say, but mom, you make forms of medicine. Like, why can't you talk about the medicine you make? And I'm like, you know what? That's a great point. Like, you don't think that there's a stigma. So I shouldn't think there's a stigma. Exactly. Can we talk about the stigma a little bit? How has it been for parents and uh, parents' friends? Because I totally agree with you. You should be at the front of the school giving the bring your mom to work day. But how have the your kids... Uh, like the, their friends, parents responded and are you super open with what you do or I would be, but I'm just curious. I, I'm the, co- I, I think I'm the coolest parent. I agree. <laughs> when people, when people find out what we do, there's always this like, what do you do? Oh my God, that's so cool. Um, I also like to joke that my husband's a surgeon and I feel like there are times <laughs> where I have to quote, like play doctor's wife at events and I always go in very conservatively because I don't know what other people in the room are going to feel about it. But then I know that it's okay when Brad will be like, oh, well, do you know what Rebecca does? And I'm like, oh, okay. So we're going to use this as like a party trick. I got it. <laughs> Wendy, what about what about for you? Oh, you know, I don't, I haven't really experienced anything too much that would be construed anything as negative. Um, I gave, when I signed my son up for... Um, for uh, childcare, I, I when I was on the tour, I told them what I do because when you work in the facility, you smell, and like your car will just smell because your bag and your jacket were there. And I thought, oh God, I'm going to bring this baby into the to drop off for for childcare, and the car seats in the car, and the car smells because it's parked the lot and all this stuff, and they're going to think something bad. So I was like. So please don't call child services. I actually work in cannabis, da, 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 da. And I did have that one moment where they're going to be like, oh, are they going to judge me? But nobody cared. I love that. Well, let's, let's switch gears to talk about the business a little bit. And so for people listening that may not have a full understanding of Curio Wellness, can you give us the high-level elevator pitch on the business and, and where the business is today? Yes. Yeah, so Curio Wellness is um, a medicinally focused cannabis company. So whether you are a true uh, medical patient or an adult use patient, um, we are looking at this plant as a therapeutic solution. Um, but we're also looking at it through the quality levels that are needed for medicine. So the stringency that we bring to our cultivation and our manufacturing, we're CGMP certified, is all about this sort of premium quality um, and very safe, hygienically developed uh, collection of products. We have taken what was just kind of the traditional cannabis world of flower, vape, um, we call them chews, so gummies, and elevated that to much more targeted uh, products, which was our goal from the beginning. Because when we started as a medical company, we were thinking about the Western side where people usually say, 
this is, I have this condition or I have this symptom. And then you know there's a medicine that directly relates to it. And like the same, even if you just walk into like a Walgreens, like that's what you're going to experience when you buy a Tylenol versus a Pepto, right? So we were like, how can we take what's very generic and make it more specific so someone can say, this is my problem. And you say, well, this is the product. So with our scientific advisory board, we've developed a series of products that do just that. So we have a product called Good Night that's for sleep that we developed with them. And then we tested with Maryland patients before we brought it to market. Um, We have a line called Move that's all topicals for pain and inflammation. Um, We have a line called GI by Curio line that has three different products that are related to the GI system. Um, And a new product called Good Day that's the the counter to Good Night. and so I think we feel like we can really bring that ease of the shopping experience, if nothing else, to the consumer, um, particularly on adult use now, because in Maryland, you're restricted to 10 milligrams and all of these products that solve problems sit 10 milligrams or less on their THC count. So for us, it's this huge expansion of access um, and really kind of being this wellness company um, that's going to nor I think that helps to really normalize what cannabis is um, because there are so many stigmas around like the cliches that people assume of why you're using it and how you're using it. And there's just all these options out there of dosage forms um, and flavors and things like that. I also would add to that, that we've been the market leader in Maryland for five years. So since the um, market started And I really attribute that to the level of professionalism and reliability that we bring to uh, the industry. And I think that's because we as an organization, um, we don't actively seek people who already work in cannabis. We're looking for subject matter experts in the area that we're hiring for. And so with sales, for example, I spend a lot of time meeting with people who work in the pharmaceutical industry, who meet work in alcohol, um, and so who've tailored these skills of relationship management and building trust with your customer. And then we spend a lot of time doing training right at the beginning of someone joining the team so that they understand how we grow the plant, why we grow indoors, um, how we manufacture the product, what the differentiator of CGMP certification is as it relates to our products. And essentially, you go through these um, paces of how do I become a subject matter expert so that my dispensary partners trust me the most, and therefore I become their first phone call when they need something. And that's enabled us to get our products into uh, about 98% of the dispensaries in the state, because we also came from a place of, we want to be the most accessible in the medical program, and now that's extended to adult use which means you shouldn't have to drive more than 30 minutes from where you live to find a Curio Wellness product. We want to be in your neighborhood as close to you as possible. Um, And it's funny because when I joined the team, a lot of the things that I uh, brought were just practices from the art world. Like if someone calls you, call them back within 15 minutes. If you can pick up the phone and recognize someone's voice and say, know, hello, Mr. Simkowitz, like that was a really big win and a huge part of customer service. So we've really not reinvented the wheel. We've just applied these best practices to the cannabis industry that frankly, we don't see a lot of our competitors uh, applying and therefore we've built up a really great reputation. So in thinking about this coming Saturday and the like 
how did you go about getting ready from being medical only to adult use? If you're a 98% of the dispensaries, I have to imagine that you've just been, it's been absolutely crazy the last few months. Like, talk to us about about that. You're at the last three days here. (laughs) So we started planning the garden about a year ago. um, And then we started planning our manufacturing production schedule uh, probably the beginning of this year, but we really put it into action uh, at the beginning of March. So because the plants take essentially 16 weeks um, from start to finish to grow, and we have a uh, production paradigm that every single week we are harvesting plants, you can't just say like, I'm going to turn on another 100,000 square feet tomorrow. You have to do it gradually over time, and you have to build your batch sizes long in advance. So that's where our amazing operations team came in because as soon as the referendum passed in November, we essentially turned on these plans that we had already scheduled and um, assumed we would put into place. And in the last, I would say three months, we've um, looked at Missouri. Their transition from the medical use uh, market to adult use has been really the gold standard in the country. And they're seeing a two to three X Uh, increase in their business. And so because Missouri and Maryland have a lot of similarities from the way their medical programs are made up to the size of the state, to the fact that both states have border states that have access or limited access to cannabis, we decided, all right, this is the data that we're going to use as our benchmark for our plan for Maryland. And because of that, we've been building up inventory for three months of about 5x of our products that we expect to be available to adult use consumers and 3x for medical only patients because we think that when the AU program officially launches on Saturday, you'll see two things happen. Medical patients that thought they were going to let their cards expire renew their cards because an adult use customer has to pay a 9% sales tax and they also have a limited menu. They can't buy any product over 10 milligrams in edible form and they also can't buy concentrates. Um, So you'll have those people renew to be able to retain their access and frankly save money. And then for the same reason, you'll have people who didn't join the medical program originally have entree into the cannabis world perhaps want something else and or they want to save money. And so they're going to join um, after July 1st. Uh, So our planning has really been about inventory building first and foremost. And then beyond that, we spent, I'd say, all of April and May talking to our customers and giving them the opportunity to say, what have we been doing for the past four years that works well? What hasn't worked? And what are you doing to plan for adult use? And then we've made logistical changes to uh, respond to that feedback. So we now have five delivery vehicles, for example. We used to only have three. We will now have a vault and fulfillment team that works seven days a week as opposed to five days a week, um, all with the goal of being the most reliable wholesale partner, because if it's not on your shelf at the dispensary, then you can't serve the consumer who's coming in Sunday through Saturday. Um, So it's been a a period of very fast learning and really testing our ability to be agile. Um, But we're a data-driven company, so we just look at the numbers and then we produce to the numbers. Uh, Switching gears a little bit on the hiring front, when when you guys, obviously the team has grown significantly since the days at the kitchen table. What is your overall hiring philosophy? Of course, there's going to be, you're going to go about different searches different and different positions different, but how do you 
think about hiring to make sure that you preserve this culture that your family has within the rest of the organization and employee base? So we have, so I think one part of it is like, we're really sensitive to what a job entails wherever it is on the org chart and like what, what's required in the role from like a tactical perspective. And so what does that mean in the person? And so then putting someone who's more naturally inclined to succeed in that role in the space. So for example, if you're a trimmer, that's a highly detail-oriented job with uh, repetitive work in a, in a fairly like calm environment. If you're if you are a kind of fast-moving, chatty, um, less detail-oriented person, you're going to hate that job, right? So we really try and think about what are in these roles because, particularly in cultivation manufacturing, there's so many. Um, techniques um, in the roles that we really have to think about who does them. And we tend to have happier people in their roles and better teams because of it. Um, You know, as when you talk about kind of like the culture from the beginning, you know, I think the fact that we are a family does come through. We talk about that a lot. We talk about each other and we talk about it to the group and we think about the larger company as an extension of us and of um, kind of the values we've built and how we want to show up in as a company and in the community. And so, you know, we really look for people who buy into that and want to help foster it as well. Um, you know, it has been, it's interesting because the economy has shifted so much in the times that we've been doing this, like between, you know, we were, as Rebecca said, we were um, essential during COVID. Then there was like a whole window of, you know, job losses, then there was, now we kind of are in a place of there's, there's so many people, there's so many jobs available and fewer people, but I think we've always been very attractive and we have always had enormous amount of people applying to work, which I think one is a testament to us as we've become, uh, we've built the company more and more over time, but even more so is the industry, right? It's new, it's pioneering, particularly if you're young, it's a place where you probably could ascend your career a bit faster because it's not kind of stayed and you don't have to follow a certain path necessarily. And while there's certain roles, like, you know, if you are, quote, a grower or if you're a process operator, those those roles require some level of background in, in their given field. But there's many jobs that are entry level, and we really just look for you to come in with a willingness to learn and a good attitude, and we can train you to do anything. And honestly, we, we focus a lot on career pathing. And so, um, you know, similar to what I experienced in the creative world of television and where there's entry points and you could kind of pivot off of there, we've seen tons of people like join in the trim room and they could be somewhere totally else or come in as a packaging associate. You see what's going on and you migrate to another internal um, opening. So there's a lot of growth opportunity just in the company itself. I think the other really amazing um, benefit of having Michael as our leader is that he's grown many businesses before. And so he has seen how someone can come in as an entry level person and then create this wealth for their family by starting, staying in a role for two to three years, really becoming an expert, being promoted to the next thing and then promoting to the next thing. And like when you make a commitment to a company, that company also makes its commitment to you. So 
we've taken on that mindset of we really don't look for people who are just trying to come in and like have a you know hourly job they clock in they clock out they go home um we really love when people come in and say wow i feel like i've really found a home here and i can understand how i can learn more things and get business skills um and just see myself here for many many years and we have great stories like wendy was saying but we also have people of like husband and wives that work here um and so families have been built in the five years that we've been operating and it's just very special to see those moments where individuals have just continued to rise um both in their skill set their rank their comfort level and it's just very it's very rewarding to be a part of it yeah we actually track um babies born um so well we we call anyone who has a baby it's called a baby bud so we do those announcements internally but um at our second year anniversary we did a whole list of stats and babies born was one of them and then we did it again at the five year as well and so it was just really cool to see you know that metric grow like of course we're growing flour and we're delivering products and serving dispensaries but that's just something that's more special inside of inside of us i absolutely love that and i love that you bring people in with amazing attitudes and then like help them become experts i love the quote i think it's like southwest ceo he said um you can teach people how to push the cart up and down the aisle, but you can't teach people how to smile. And I've found it, at least in, in my business, that's so true. Like when I think about our like best success stories, it's not the person that came in that wanted to tell us how to do everything. And like, like it's the person that came in and just wanted to like work super hard and learn and was passionate about what we were doing and was like entry level. And like, those are the people that have stayed with us for six years versus sometimes when we've tried to hire these like super senior people from super big companies to like come in and show us the way. It's just like never gone down very well. Well, and I think one challenge in cannabis in particular is that you have a really passionate population who now have an opportunity to legitimately work in this field. And they do bring to it their own biases and their own experience. And we tend to have this conflict because we're where they're very passionate we're also unwavering in our commitment to our specifications and that's what allows us to put out a very similar strain from batch to batch that are three months apart but their thc and terpene results are within tenths of a point of each other or every single batch of comfort tablets has 1.75 milligrams of thc regardless of when we produce them um, and so there have been growing pains of learning, like somebody who's amazing at cannabis information is not always our best hire because they don't want to follow our protocols. Um, but every so often you get people who are so passionate about working with the plant, but also passionate about making medicine and understand that it has to be replicated identically or, or as, as within spec from batch to batch that they kind of cross over, I would say, to our way of thinking. And um, that's really been you know, the key to our success is people who love what they do, but also respect why we do things the way we do them and um, have frankly like evolved and matured and see how you know, they can love cannabis and they can love curio and it can create a wonderful and meaningful um, life for them. 
When you think about the overall environment, I mean, this this conversation is much more positive than some conversations I'm having with uh, people in some more mature markets who are just like trying to stay alive. So, you know, when you think about the overall space, like what do you think is needed to make this space here to stay? And like, how do you think Maryland learns from places like Colorado and California that it basically feels like a race to the bottom um, Mm -hmm. at this point? Um, Well, I think, you know, we sort of dealt with a little bit of this last year um, when the changes in the larger economy started to impact our industry. um, We saw players in our own state who used less sophisticated business tactics to kind of operate, which, which was that race to the bottom mentality. Um, And it's not something that we were willing to participate in. And so I think that's, um, you know, I I know there can be a lot of stigma around the conversation of kind of like corporatizing cannabis. But I do think that, you know, good business acumen helps like kind of uh, helps all everyone succeed. Um, And I think that is more of what we need, because if we're going to be legitimate, we have to act legitimate all around. I do a lot of policy work on the state level as well as on the federal level. And the biggest thing is like changing the perception. So the more that we can operate and behave in a way that's consistent with with every other business in America that that they're comfortable with and know and and thus we are treated the same, like 280E is gone. I think that only helps us, but we're also a very entrepreneurial environment and we have to be super scrappy because we don't have every virtue, um, but we have to figure out how to do that. And, and I think in some ways, even as we compete against each other, work together because we all need the same end goal. And right now that's more than anything, that's that descheduling piece, right? We need to have, um, which I think, in for the business side of it is very much focused in normalization, right? We need 280 gone. We need overwhelming access to banking, not just from a depository standpoint, but from a financing standpoint. So these are the things that are really going to change us um, and really make us fully legitimate in the end. I think there's also a lack of awareness on the greater you know, population side, which is understandable that because we're in cannabis, there are vendors in the world who won't work with us. And so we have these big ebbs and flows with pricing, for example, that are direct result of someone saying, I can supply you with the containers for your eights. And then the next day being sent a letter from some parent company that says, because you work in cannabis, I no longer can work with you, which means we then have to go out and pay a premium to the other company that will work with us um, you know, at the last minute. And so if the federal state conflict and at a minimum, the banking issue went away, then you would access vendors, services, the same as any other um, consumer product good industry that would help us stabilize some of these, you know, some of these factors, frankly, that we don't predict or we can't predict that ultimately hit the end consumer um, in a negative way. And it's that that would be a really wonderful change, frankly, from an operations side of 
side of things. Yeah, the, the vendors is so hard. It's like, I remember the first payroll company that dropped us, and it's just like, oh, God. Exactly. Uh, I think people totally underestimate that. It's like starting any business is hard, and then when 95% of the vendors won't, won't work with you, that adds a, a whole other level of complexity. Well, we're coming up here on our, our time, and uh, we definitely need to do a follow-up episode because I have a lot I feel like I could talk to the two of you forever. But my, my final question, my, my, my final question is, when you look ahead to the next five years, what are you most excited about for the industry and for your business? When I look ahead to five years, I feel like cannabis years are dog years. So five years is going to feel like 35. Um, and so it just is like, I think we are going to accomplish so much in such a short period of time. I am very hopeful that a version of safe banking will pass so that we can um, have access to capital. Well, minorities and women, um, veterans, people who want to get into this business and can't because there is no private capital available to cannabis right now will no longer have that barrier. Um, that I'm very hopeful about. Wendy spends a lot of her time fighting that good fight. And so I'm confident that she'll prevail. Um, I also see us being in many more states. We're in Maryland now. We're in Missouri now. We'll be in market in Missouri by the end of this year. Um, but I hope that we have at least five more states under our belt um, because I think bringing our condition-specific products to those markets um, in particular will be a huge advantage for their populations. Um, and I honestly hope that our dad is still working seven days a week alongside us because it's super fun. Um, but I think that, you know, our mom would like him to retire so they can spend more time together. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy, what about you? My gosh, well, you covered all of it. Um, you know, I think that I think everything Rebecca said, I would totally agree with. Can you hear the baby crying, by the way? No, it's all, we like that. That really adds some character to these podcasts. Okay. Sorry, guys. Um, I was just ignoring her for a sec so I could finish this. Um, so I would agree with everything Rebecca said. I think those are a lot of the touch points. Um, but, you know, when we, when we started this, um, we were sitting with a marketing company talking about developing the company. He said, well, what do you want this to be? And I said, I want it to be kind of a place like old school where people are there for like 30 years and they're like, I got the watch, right? And so five years from now, we would be over 10 years old as a company. And I think it's really exciting if some of the faces that have been here from the early days are still there. I know that with the people that we have today, there is a sense of pride in, you know, being more of an old timer amongst the group. And so to continue to do this journey, not only as a family, but with a lot of the people that we work with today and really continue to change lives from a job creation standpoint would be amazing. I love that. And there's so many people out there that want to just like build businesses and sell them. And so I think it's so cool that you guys want to build this business to last and have people that work there for 30 years and husbands and wives and think about how many buds and babies are going to be born. So I'm so excited. I, I this, this was my, I got to say, this was my favorite episode of all time. So this was a great episode. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I mean, I don't know. I, I think the other thing to, that we should mention is like, after you do something like Wendy and I have had the privilege to do, 
Like, I don't know how to have another job. Like, there's been so many multifacets to it, so many hats we've had to wear, things we've had to learn. Like, it moves so quickly that I genuinely am like, oh my God, what would I do if I didn't do this? Because I, I think everything else would just be boring at this point. Oh, totally. I don't know how anyone would do anything once you're in this industry. Like, it, I, everything would just seem so easy. You know, imagine you could just work with any payroll. Imagine being able to work with any payroll company. Like, what would you spend your time on? Right. I have no, you know, I don't know. I think maybe I'd read my kids one more book at night. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I can't wait to come to Maryland and meet you in person. Please do. It's going to be really great. For folks that want to find you and find your products and be part of the, you know, part of the grand opening? Where do people go? How do, how do we get people in touch with you all? So our website is curiowellness.com. On Instagram, we are at curiowellnessbrand, all one word. And then um, we also, if you're in Maryland or Missouri, you can download the Curio Wellness app through Apple or Android. Uh, if anyone wants to get in touch with me, it's easy. It's Rebecca.Rayfiel at curiowellness.com. So I'm happy to talk to whoever wants to reach out. Well, thank you both for coming on and good luck with the rest of the week. I can't wait to hear how Saturday goes. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you, Carson. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your cannabis business podcast, The Talking Hedge, and newest member on Podcon X. So come on over and check out The Talking Hedge. We talk about business news, interviews, investments, events, all that stuff. So come nerd out with me over at The Talking Hedge. You can find me at thetalkinghedgepodcast.com or on all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out.